I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Psalm 126, Psalm 126. Here in this next Song of Degrees, as we ascend up, we read, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now we look at this and we see here the ups and downs that we go through in our lives as Christians and the good and bad times. It says the Lord turned again our captivity. And, of course, they had gone to captivity uh, into Babylon. But there was other times when they had things where they were held captive by a sin or situation. And they cried out to God. Of course, Judges is full of that seven cycles of it. It's just horrible. And what we see here are these ups and downs. But really what it's looking at is when we find that captivity turned what it does for us and it's kind of like when you see uh, a christian get right with god in a church service they go forward and they get at the altar and they deal with things and the the joy and the sweetness that comes over them because that wonderful relationship's been restored and they 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 have a peace about them and many times they'll get up and they'll even testify of what god just did and how good it feels i remember one uh, young man in the youth group and uh, God had really moved in our youth group. We, had, we were seeing a revival sweeping. In fact, uh, we were at a camp when it broke out with a bunch of other churches. And in our group, uh, on Monday night, a couple people went forward. On Tuesday night, a handful went forward. But on Wednesday night, everybody in the youth group went forward except this one young man. He just he had a grip on him that just uh, he just couldn't shake what was where he was at he was just so far away from God but you could tell by the way he was acting that God was dealing with him and he was resisting and uh, to be honest when I had spent two weeks uh, fasting and praying for revival and Dr. Johnny Pope was going to be the speaker that week and I told Brother Johnny I said I've been praying and fasting for two weeks for this week and Brother Johnny looked at me and says hallelujah we're going to have revival he was confident of that, and uh, it actually broke out on that Wednesday night. It, not just that all of our group went forward, but the one, but multitudes, multitudes of young people 
got right with one another, got right with people that were there that were adults, called home to get right with moms and dads, woke them up. It was an incredible, incredible night. But uh, I would call back. I would say, look, we had a couple move. These are great messages. Pray. And they would get the staff to stop working and, and coming together and start praying. And then I called Tuesday night. And I said, we had a few more go, but we need more prayer. And the church was praying. But they opened the church up to people to come in. If they couldn't come in, to pray at home. And then I called back and I said, pray again. And uh, they got missionaries that were with the church. I mean, there was a world of people praying for this particular night. And Wednesday night it broke out. But then I called back and said, we got one lone standout. And he's a leader against the good. And we gotta we got to win this. And I remember that Thursday, he went forward. And uh, we came back to the uh, cabin there. And we were kind of reminiscing what God had done. And he just took over and just started radiating the joy of the Lord. He said, man, it feels good to have that weight lifted off me. Man, I feel like a different person. Oh, I feel like there was something that happened to me that just relieved all the pressure. <laughs> ah, I can remember that just like it was yesterday, though it was back in the year 1989. And uh, God really moved in. Then on uh, Sunday, uh, Pastor uh, Buffington called us in to the, his study early in the morning. And he said that he's just been blocked. He can't get a message from God. And so we just began to pray over him. And all of a sudden, he stopped us. He said, God showed up. I know what it is. He preached for quite a bit. And uh, we had a good number of people go forward that morning. And it was a late morning. I think we got out of there around uh, 1.30. And then uh, he asked me to preach that night. I was so full from fasting and praying. And then that week of just incredible messages and revival and there was just so, I mean, it was the most saturated with the Spirit of God I can ever remember. And I preached for over two hours and just named things that were wrong in the church through the scriptures that God had given me, pointing people out by name, which I never do. But the Spirit of God took over. And when uh, it came invitation time, it exploded. People were coming forward and just droves and getting right one with another and then one man came up and he pointed his finger at me and he was kind of a gruff man and he he said ever since I've seen you as the staff on this church I've hated everything about you and I thought "Uh oh but then he stopped and broke into tears and he said can you ever forgive me mm. and that went on for hours we started at six o'clock we had testimonies. We had singing. The kids testified. So we had over an hour there, over two hours of, of, the, of the message. And then the rest of the time, which was hours, was in the invitation. And folks who didn't come to church were calling the church saying, hey, my loved one never made it home. No, we're still here. It's midnight, and we're still here getting right with God. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, liberty, free at last, we were like them that dream. <laughs> I see here a fulfilled dream. Hallelujah. We, we always dreamed of the moment we could be free, free, free at last. And I said, man, that is a credible thing when you know that you're free. 
and that God has answered your prayer and turned again the captivity. He returns you from that being captive. He turns you back. He returns you to where you were under his authority and under his uh, protection. And you are now right with him. Oh, my goodness. He was, I mean, this is a fulfilled dream. But then I want you to see a filled delight. (laughs) Then was our mouth filled with laughter. How about that? The joy of the Lord returned. They were filled full. I mean, it needs to be completely filled, satisfied. We were filled with laughter. And this is so needed today to enjoy the good things of the Lord. We were filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. We were not just only filled with laughter. We were filled with singing. And I'm telling you, it overflows. I can remember uh, back when we uh, lived here before I came back with my wife and I after a cancer diagnosis uh, to be with uh, family nearby and to have a better doctor. But but when we lived here before during those years of uh, quite a few years, uh, about... uh, 13 and a half, 14 years that we lived here before we went to Florida for 14 years. Uh, I remember one particular day by myself going into uh, the uh, 276 up there into the forest, parked at uh, Pink Beds, and jumped off on a trail. It was a trail that I, I went through multitudes of trails, but this was my favorite trail because on the way up, and it was a pretty steep ascent in some of these places but on the way up there was a little path you could detour off of that led to a brook and that water was rippling down through there and it would smooth out as it came down to where I was and I remember laying out there by myself and praying to God I had been praying all the way up and then the next thing I knew before I even realized what was happening I was singing out loud what a friend we have in Jesus. And I thought, goodness, I didn't even realize I'd broken forth in singing. And I'm telling you, when you get right with God, it puts a song back in your heart. It fills you with the joy of the Lord. And it even goes on to say that all the heathen around, the nations looking on what was going on said, hmm, the Lord has done great things for them. You know what it did? It filled their mouth with the joy of the Lord and laughter and singing. And it caused a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're living correctly and rightly, it always draws attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time. The Lord hath done great things for them. And then it turns around in verse 3 and says, The Lord hath done great things for us. So we see this freedom uh, that they had, this liberty, where they had a fulfilled dream and they had a filled delight. But I want you to notice that the heathen noticed it as a testimony. And then the people who have been turned about declared it. And he said, the Lord has done great things, and that is in the hippo stem. He's caused these great things for us. He allowed it. He caused it to happen because 
we got it back. We turned around. The Lord brought us back. Whereof we are glad, merry, joyful. It means to be filled with joy to the point of exceeding gladness. The blessings of our Lord lead to great joy. I mean, great joy. We absolutely need the joy of the Lord. And we know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we see here the incredible gladness. But when we look at this uh, chapter here, these first three verses are incredible. Then verse 4, we see not only liberty, but we see life. The life as the way it should be. So in an imperative voice, the imperative is, turn again our captivity, O Lord. Turn us back. And he said, we need it back as the streams in the south. There's the illustration. We need it back like the streams in the south. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying, look, we need to finish this act. We need to be stayed back. There are still those that were in captivity. They needed to be turned. There were still those that had not come out. Turn again our captivity. Now, I want you to understand something here because I believe this with all my heart that this is a command we need to have in our lives. Lord, I have to have this. Turn again. And I believe a good word to put in there in that turn again, repentance. And repentance comes about through revival. And revival comes about by drawing the circle around you and saying, right here, this is where I start. I need revival. Remember Psalm 119 when we were doing the series in Psalm 119 and we got to that one section where multitudes of times he said, quicken me, quicken me. And of course, all through Psalm 119, he says it multitudes of times. Quicken, make me alive, revive me. I want to be renewed in the good things of God. So the psalmist is calling out for revival. And it's in the present tense. He wants it now. Keep our captivity turned, O Lord, as the streams in the south. That's the streams that rise up quickly from the rain especially the wadis, which are especially dry until it rains, and then they fill up real quick and move fast because of the dry stream beds. He's praying for a return from captivity that will be fast. He wants a quick response to this plea of imperativeness. And the interesting thing about this is he, the, 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 the uh, psalmist has something to say that I believe is an imperative for us today. Turn again. Lord, revive us. We need revival. In this hour that we live, we need revival. We always need revival. But then he turns and says, there's something that we have to think about. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. We see here a promise of joyful reaping if we'll sow. Now, the return of the captivity, of course, resulted in the people having to plant crops and to restore their land back to being a productive land that could produce the fruits and things to sustain them. And it was going to be a hard work. So uh, they were going to end up sowing in tears and break up that fallow ground and get it back in shape. But the promise was they shall reap 
in joy. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And again, it's in the present tense. They that are sowing in tears, they are going to reap. It's going to happen. And it says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. The word joy there is a shout of joy. It has the idea of a proclaiming, crying out loud and shouting. I mean, I know the people say sometimes that the shouting is uh, not in the Bible, but I'm telling you, you can't go through the book of Psalms and prove that. You're going to take out 150 chapters to prove that because the Bible makes it clear when it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth, and when the wicked perish, there is shouting. <laughs> There's no question about that in Isaiah. Oh, I'm sorry, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 10, it is amazing how much the Lord puts on bringing us into rejoicing. The Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Even our God wants the joy over us. And there is rejoicing in heaven over one that gets saved. And we must never forget that, that there is a lot of joy in heaven over the good things that go along. We have a great group of people in heaven that are cheering us on. It says here, the farmer would have a lot of problems struggling. There would be a lot of tears, but the farmer always remembers there is a future day where what I'm doing now will pay off. And the fact that I'm now free and able to live my life again, liberty has come, my life is back, turn again, keep us turned right now like the streams in the south that fill up and let us labor in the field because we know that joy will come at the end of that labor. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Again, the promise, come again with that singing, that, that shouting, that proclamation of loud joy, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now that's the prerequisite for reaping. There's something that comes before reaping. There's sowing and there's sorrow. The sowing bearing precious seed okay the, this speaks in the hebrew of a person who is uh, sowing the seed by hand okay so the what it is saying is if you're going to want to have something in your life that you are going to reap you are going to personally have to sow you can't have somebody else do it you personally have to do the sowing and you're going to have to do the sowing in weeping he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. There is a sorrow with it. Now, we live in a day and age where, you know, it's emotional and mamby-pamby and we shouldn't weep. But that is not what the Bible says. Now, we're told to weep not as those that have no faith when we're at the graveside of a loved one. And there are some things that we don't need to weep over. Uh, Joshua was on his face before God in a sorrowful and uh, downtrodden manner because of what happened when they tried to take care of Ai. And the Lord said, that's not time for that. Get up. That's not the issue here. The issue is there's sin in the camp. Deal with the sin in the camp and things will be okay. But there are times it's okay. The shortest verse in the Bible are two words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. But the context of that, if you read it carefully, 
he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And his heart was stirred because he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It makes that clear in the Bible. And he knew that their hearts were tugging, but he knew what he was going to do. But he was trying to bring them to that belief. Martha, do you not remember what I said about the resurrection? And she said, I know what you said about, yeah, well, I'm telling you, you better think a little bit closer up than that because it's going to happen today. And then when he went to the tomb, the people were talking about, how come this guy who could do this and this and this, why couldn't he have been here and spared Lazarus? Why couldn't he have fixed this? And he groaned in his spirit. And said, where have you laid him? And they, they showed him the place. And it says Jesus wept. And they looked at him and said how much he loved him. Why couldn't he? And it was because of their unbelief. It was because of what they were saying that brought the weeping. Because he knew what he was going to do. He wasn't getting through to them of who he is. But he's fixing to do something incredibly powerful and bringing them back. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and sweat, as it were, drops of blood. As there he agonized in the garden, again, weeping for the hour that was coming, praying, Father, if there be any other way, because we're going to be separated. Never happened before. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed shall doubtless, I love that process, doubtless, amen, doubtless, come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Harvest time is a great time of joy. All that labor that you wept over and prayed over and worked and worked and worked through rain and no rain, through weeds and no weeds, all that labor that you put in now has come to fruition. But I want you to notice that you come out with a whole lot more than you put in. Now, I want to show you something because there are ways to look at this. We just looked at it in light of what the psalmist was saying, the captivity being turned. We looked at the fact that it is uh, we are to uh, sow and reap if we're going to have revival. If we're going to have a spiritual revival, we got to then have a renewal of some things. We need to have a renewal of hard work. That means prayer on our knees. That means in the word. That means asking God to point out everything that's in us. Like the psalmist said, show me where I got the problem at and fix it all and get your life right with God and turned around and turned again. But we also, in order to have a spiritual revival, must not only let it begin with us and grow us out, but then reach to others through witnessing. And we need to look at this in light of witnessing and lost souls. When we put it into that context and we look at it this way, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. When is the last time we put tears on our personal altar or on our church altar for lost people who are dying and going to hell? When's the last time we wept because there was a person who says they know the Lord that was so far away from the Lord and said, dear Lord, they need to come back to you. And would you bring them back to you and have tears? I wrote a song years ago called Tears on the Altar. We need more tears on the altar so the church will not falter. A tear-stained bench was the way it used to be. We need to get back to that weeping 
and going forth and weeping. And of course, when it says he that goeth, continual. Okay, it's a continual tense. We keep on going. We keep on weeping. We keep on bearing. I love that. Bearing precious seed. Do we bear precious seed when it comes to looking at it through the application of witnessing? <laughs> you better believe we do. It's the seed of the Word of God. And the Bible has a lot to say about that in Matthew chapter 13 about the sowing and the parable of the sower and the seed and how the seed is the good Word of God and the Holy Spirit that goes and puts that Word of God in people's hearts and how the ground was different in people's lives and what happened in those grounds. The Bible makes it clear, though, we'll doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. I like that because it means very much that we are going to see little is much, and you're going to get more than you sow. We see we sow seeds, we reap sheaves. I like that. We sow seeds, we reap seeds. Now, I want you, uh, sheaves, excuse me. In Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says this, When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. I know it's Old Testament, but think about that. We're not warning the wicked, telling him you're going to die and go to hell, and you don't give him a warning, and you warn him about that day to save his life. He's going to die in his sin, but I'm going to require his blood. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Now, you know what I find interesting about that? That that, if God says something once, don't you think maybe we ought to heed it? Amen. Don't you think we ought to heed it? But if God says something more than once, hmm, listen to this. That was Ezekiel 3, 18 and 19. Let me take you to now Ezekiel 33. And when we get to Ezekiel number 33, we find again a couple of verses that are very interesting. Let's look at verse number 8. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his wicked way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Acts 1, 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both at the same time, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and through faith promised missions unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus said in his commandment at the end of Matthew, that he would send them forth to be making disciples. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We're out of time, but I'm telling you, you need a revival in your life so you can then take the precious seed of the Word of God and bring it into people's lives. And you can bring your sheaves with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to take this to heart. Revive us again, we pray, in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely wonderful and awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, 
believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.